Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. This is episode 111, and I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, and I welcome you back for another episode. It's on a, a different night this week. That's right, coming to you on a Tuesday night, a rare Tuesday night edition of the Mr. Benfica podcast, and I am always happy to be here. And let me tell you, it's just with, with this fixture schedule that we play right now, with matches falling on all these random days of the week, it, it can be challenging sometimes to find a consistent time to record a podcast. So, because of that, we, we're going to kill two birds with one stone tonight. All right, we're talking men's and women's football in this edition. All right, we're going to talk about the win in the Liga Nage on the road at Tundela, and then we're going to talk about the win in the Liga BPI on the road at Maritimo. So, we got. Um, Two matches to talk about, plus we got some news, a lot going on uh, at the club, but the elephant is in the room, and I have to say, I have to say that um, it's just, I'm feeling this utter disgust right now, as, you know, yesterday, I see our rivals win another European trophy. Not our big, not, not our northern rivals, but our city rivals. And, yeah, it was just disgusting to see that club in that finan- financial state that they're in, a club that doesn't pay their bills, a club that goes and gets a manager for 10 million euros and then doesn't pay it, a club that just, 
somehow they managed to be better than us in futsal, and somehow they managed to be better than us in basketball, and somehow they managed to be better than us in hockey. Somehow they managed to be better than us at everything right now in football. And it, and it's not that they're better than us; it's that they're performing better than us, or at least you know. In 11-a-side football, they are not better than us, I don't believe. They are playing better than us. They are more united than us. They are a team, whereas we are something else. But it's just, it, it is it is disgusting that they win another Futsal Champions League. We have not won it since 2010. You look at the number of players that have gone out the door from this club. Ricardinho. Uh, Andrea Gomes, sorry, Bruno, uh, Bruno Gomes, yeah, uh, Bruno Coelho, Andrea Coelho, Cheguinha, Fernandinho, who actually scored twice against us in the quarterfinals. Just absolutely frustrating, and to see them over there just keeping their guys and just keeping everybody happy somehow. And for the second time in three years, they win a Champions League in futsal. A sport that we should be dominating. No question about that. They're rioting and wanting to get rid of their president. Well, in their president's one mandate, he's won more European trophies than our president has won in 18 years. At what point do we stop accepting this mediocrity from this president and from his board? At what point do the 66% wake up? 100 million spent on a football pitch, on a team. And here we are, a week before a, uh, a Clásico, fighting for second. It's a long shot. Fighting to keep ourselves alive for second. Trying to keep ourselves alive for second place. There's just no excuse for this. And at the end of the day, there's only one to blame. And he sits at the head of the table. It's not George Zouge. He's got his blame, but the main culprit, the main blame, belongs to none other than the president of this club. A president who we have re-elected time after time after time. Why? Because we're afraid of what it used to be? Well, guess what? We're right back there. We're not that far away. We are not that far off. We're watching our rivals win and everything. We're watching Porto uh, compete like warriors in the ch in the UEFA Champions League. We're watching Sporting win titles in, in the Modalidades. We're watching them. How many points? Are this? Ten points ahead of us? Something like that right now in, in the Liga Nage. We're hoping to compete with them in a couple things. But really, like, this is not acceptable. It's inexcusable. If the financial state of our club is where they say it is, this cannot happen. And it's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. And don't talk to me about coefficient points. Don't tell me, oh, it's good that a Portuguese team won. No. It's not. These are our rivals. These are our rivals. We'll get into it in the other sports in the news, but... It is absolutely disgusting. And then on the other hand, I feel like I need to address this. Our other rival, who is just despicable, okay? I don't consider Sporting despicable. I consider our other rivals despicable. 
to have a director of communications, a public relations director, if you will, go to go to his social media and use the different platforms he's been given to speak and to give a message, a message of hate. That's all that guy talks about. That's the only message he he conveys to anybody. To criticize one of our female athletes who's giving like who's given a well what was it a a remote phys ed lesson on uh, on Zoom or something like that to kids and to just the absolutely sexist nature of his of his criticism especially when he represents a club who doesn't really invest in any women's athletics they don't have a women's football team they don't have futsal they don't have women's futsal they don't have women's roller hockey they're living in the stone age they got a manager who can do and say whatever he wants he's going to be on the bench Thursday by the way I believe his suspension's now under appeal, and now he'll be able to manage against us on Thursday. He can do whatever he wants. He can do no wrong because those SOBs run everything. And what does our club do to defend itself? Where is Where are our mouthpieces? Our president, nowhere to be found ever since he was reelected. Rui Costa gives one interview on television in which he tows the company line. We got our own Jota Marx and Pedro Guerra. That guy's useless. Every time his face comes on the television or comes on my on my computer on, on the BTV stream, stream, I change it. I don't want to hear anything that guy's got to say. Where are the ones defending our club, defending our athletes? We have, we're going to see a rival this week who's got, I believe, 16 penalty kicks this season. Maybe 15 in the league alone. And has anyone from our club said anything about this? We have won. We are dead last in the league with penalties, yet we lead the league <laughs> in terms of of uh, um, in terms of possession in the uh, in the opponent's penalty area. Our players are soft. Our athletes are soft across the board. In, in most sports. I'm talking mostly about the male athletes, actually. Because guess if it wasn't for our women's sports, we wouldn't win anything this year outside of volleyball. Volleyball's an anomaly. They're, they're a fantastic team with a fantastic coach, and it's an anomaly. But our male teams are soft. They're scared. They're quiet. They don't defend our club. They don't defend the badge. They let their rivals walk all over them. At least our women are fighting. Our women's soccer team. We're gonna we're gonna get to the women's football team today because I'm very proud of them as they continue to push. Where is that heart in the men's team? Our women's futsal team has won you know their fourth straight title. Our women's basketball team is in the finals. Our women's hockey team has lost one game in like seven years. But our men's sports are are pathetic right now. For our standards, they are pathetic. And yes, we got three points here against Tondela that we're going to talk about in this episode. But we put together 45 minutes and everybody acts like, oh, we're, we're great again. Everybody acts like, oh, we would have won the league if, if not for COVID. No, get that excuse out of here. All I hear from our communications people is excuses 
on top of excuses on top of excuses. They don't defend the players. They don't defend the manager. They don't defend. Uh, they don't defend anybody. They don't defend their supporters. That's for sure. Fans get thrown out, get thrown under the bus all the time at this club, from the people in charge. You want to hear more on this? I mean, there was a great discussion this week on Benfica FM and on Visão Vermelha, um, both in Portuguese, of course. But they hit the they hit these nails on the head as to the issues within our club that need to be resolved. Otherwise, we're going to be having seasons like this one year after year after year. I don't care how much money you go and spend when the culture in the club is this rotten. It's going to affect the performances on the pitch, on the track, on the floor, on the rink, whatever the surface you play your particular sport on. It all it spills across. Very, very disgusted. And then across town, we're watching them win European trophies. And you know what? They're probably going to win one in hockey as well. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Okay, one other, one other rant I've got to go. I know I've run long in this opening segment, but one more rant. Okay, one more rant because somebody decided that I was supposed to go silent on social media last weekend or that everyone that supports football should go silent on social media because of cyberbullying, I was told. Because I posted a picture of Diogo Queiroz kissing the Porto emblem on his jersey. Okay. I did not call him any names. I did, first of all, he's a professional athlete. Second of all, I did not even tag him. I did not, I did not uh, address him. I simply posted a picture and said that this player is directly responsible for four points to Porto this season while playing for another club. That, my friends, is all factual. In the first game against Porto, playing for for Famalicão, he fell down and allowed them to get a goal. In this one, he he conveniently takes a takes a, a Porto player down for a penalty kick to make sure they win. No, okay, this is how this is why I have so much vitriol for Porto. Okay, they win because of this. Okay, they have the nerve, the nerve, to talk about Fabio Cardoso once committing a a foul or or being sent off against Benfica. The same Fabio Cardoso who's now, I think, scored twice, uh, scored winning goals twice against us, okay? They talked about Nuno Santos last season, about him trying to help us by by putting a stud, by putting his studs into Peasy's chest and being sent off. Ridiculousness, but it all comes from that communications department, that communications director. I mentioned his name, I'm not going to mention it again, the guy's a piece of trash, Okay? Most of the people associated with that club are trash. They're filth. Really, Portuguese football needs to rid itself with so of so many of the people that are in charge of this game in Portugal. I'm not just talking about Porto, but they they have they have the scummiest of the scummy. But we've got our own, and I'm talking about Pedro Guerra as well at, at Benfica. I'm talking about Jota Marques. I'm talking about Pinto da Costa. These people need to be, and I'm talking about Luis Felipe Vieira too. They need to be expelled from football. They're ruining it, okay? They are ruining it, and all we get is hate back and forth. When I say I want to see the club defended, I don't want a comunicado just to sh- to hurl insults and to incite violence towards 
a rival team. I want the club's values to be protected, the club's honor to be protected, not protecting the reputation of people within the club. I could care less about that. The way that that team has accumulated points this season between the penalty kicks and the off-loan players that are just assisting them needs to be addressed. But everybody's afraid of them. Now they're beating up reporters when they don't get the result they want. What's going to happen on Thursday? What's going to happen on Thursday? If we win that match, what are they going to do? They're going to start beating up the BTV reporters who ask questions? A team that routinely, when when they feel like it, skips the post-game press conference, skips the flash. A manager who's got more red cards than, than most teams have. Absolutely disgraceful club. They are despicable. And I sure hope we kick their ass on Thursday. Let me tell you, I hope our boys show up. To, to put up a fight, not just to play a football match. Oh, no, it is not just a match. And speaking of that match on Thursday, listen, I got an announcement, guys, and I'm excited about this. I have the day off from work. It is a, it is a weekday, but I'm excited because my plan right now is to do a live pregame show from that should be available both on my Twitter and on the YouTube channel. So that's at Benfica Mister on Twitter. Make sure you follow. And at the Mr. Benfica YouTube channel. The plan is I will go live roughly. Um, let's see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak here in terms of uh, Eastern time here in the United States. I'm going to go on. The plan is roughly at 12.45 p.m. Okay, the match kicks off at 1.30, maybe 12.50. And hopefully, I'm hoping to time the launch of of the pregame show with, you know, the release of the starting lineups. I really want to have that when I try to preview the match. But I'm going to go live on both of those channels, all right, and I'm going to do a little preview show and get everybody fired up. Get everybody fired up for the match, which kicks off. At 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the United States. Or, yeah, Eastern Time in the United States. 10.30 Pacific Time, which of course makes it 6.30 p.m. Or, or uh, 18.30, 18.30, excuse me, in Lisbon. So 45 to 40 minutes before that, I'm planning to go live. Follow me on Twitter. I'll tweet out the link and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And I'll have more more details as we get closer to Thursday. We're about 48 hours away now, a little less than that. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And then, of course, a podcast will follow um, in audio form because that is, of course, the bread and butter of Mr. Benfica. But I am looking forward to doing a, a video pregame show. And it will be exclusive on video. I'm not going to release it as a podcast. So... Um, hopefully everybody can check it out on the different video platforms. All right, I'm way over overdue here um, in this first segment, so I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, we're going to hit the news, and I've got just a little bit of news, and after that we will get into Tondela Benfica. All right, this is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio. As I said, follow me on Twitter at 
Benfica Mister and on Instagram at Mister Benfica. And don't forget www.mrbenfica.com and you can get all of the content there. Uh, I've got a few articles up now. Do check out my write-up, my player profile of Kika Nazare, our uh, phenomenal female uh, attacking midfielder right now who is just absolutely growing leaps and bounds and just blowing up as a talent in the League of EPI. All right, we'll be right back. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast. In the news this week here on Mr. Benfica, we start with basketball, men's basketball, of course. As the LPB, the Liga Profissional de Basketball, also known for sponsorship reasons as the Liga Placard, which is the same exact name that the Futsal League is known as. I will never understand that. But anyway, the playoffs are well underway, and Benfica win last Sunday, 90, not, excuse me, last Saturday, 97-88 in Game 4 of their quarterfinal series against the defending back-to-back champions Oliveres and Benfica win the series three games to one and they were helped out by a nice performance by none other than Bryce Alford the former UCLA player had 36 points and shot 11 of sorry 9 of 11 from the three-point range and he helped propel Benfica past Oliveira's. Next up, well, it is the top seed. It is Sporting, the club that I talked about in the last segment and ranted and went a little bit off the off the deep end about uh, the club that just has been cleaning house in the modalidades in the court sports this season. They are the number one seed in Benfica. Travel to the João Rocha Pavilion or the João Rocha Arena Wednesday, the 5th of May, to take on Sporting. Check your listings for uh, availability. I believe it should be streaming on the Portuguese Basketball Federation's app. It's It's the app I use to watch most of these games. It may also very well be on BTV. Not sure yet, so check your listings. Also on... On Wednesday, May the 5th, is game one of the other semifinal series. Porto in, in Immortal will tip off as well. Moving to men's futsal in the other Liga Placard, as I call it. Um, the playoffs begin this week as well for them, now that the Champions League is out of the way. And we already know how we did in that uh, in that Elite Eight. But we start over now. It is the quarterfinals. And Benfica will be taking on Braga in the first round. And Game 1 is set for Sunday, May 9th, uh, up north in Braga. Benfica will travel for that one. And then Game 2 is set for May the 15th at the Pavilion de Luge. This is a best-of-three series. Winner will advance to the semifinals. Also, the hardwood on the court, it is men's handball. And the international break is over in team handball. And Benfica will return to action uh, this Wednesday as well, which is tomorrow at the time of recording. May the 5th, 
And they will be taking on San Juanes as they continue to push towards the end of their season. Hockey Patinge um, has action coming up as well. They are also in the playoffs, also in the quarterfinals. And this is the first ever Portuguese rink hockey playoffs. And they are also facing Oliveirense. Now that series is tied 1-1 right now. And the deciding third game will be played also on May the 5th on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. That one has a scheduled time. It's a 7 p.m. Lisbon time, 19 hours at the Pavilion de Luge. And it is uh, the winner will advance, of course, to the semifinals. And then later in the month on the 15th, Benfica will be playing a a European semifinal against, you guessed it, Sporting. So there is still a lot of hockey to be played for the rink hockey team. And they are the most helter-skelter team of the entire Benfica family. They can be world beaters one day and be the best team in the world. And on other days, they can lose to anybody. Uh, as we said, their quarterfinal series right now is tied up one game apiece. Benfica lost game one at home uh, to Oliveira 2-1. to one, And then went up north to Oliveira de Zamege and won 6-1 to one in their arena. And evened up the series. So now tomorrow, uh, 7 p.m. Lisbon time, which is 2 p.m. here in the United States. Uh, that should be on BTV. They have the rights to home home activities. So that will be the deciding game in the round in rink hockey. And that right now, my friends, is the news for this week. And when we come back, we're going to talk Tondela versus Befica here on Mr. Befica episode 111. Okay. 
Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós O querer de todos nós Manto sagrado é peso pesado Não o carregas sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Queres a nossa força, sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora, nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa salta O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica And welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 111, where we are talking about Tondela versus Benfica. Now, round 30 of the Liga Nage. Yes, we are almost there. It feels like it has been such a long season. It feels like last season and this season just merged into one. At least um, the the closing part of last season when they came back from from the stop, when they came back from from the COVID outbreak and from the suspension of football. Uh, it just has seemed to really just mesh together into one really, really long season. But we at, are at the Estadio João Cardoso in Tondela, and we have two teams here who are in the top half of the table. And let's start with the 11 for Tondela. They are managed by Francisco Ayestaran. And Tondela in ninth place coming into the match, playing in a traditional 4-4-2. Their goalkeeper is Pedro Trigueira. Four across the back, Bebeto Johan Tavares, Ricardo Alves, and Felipe Ferreira. Four in midfield, Salvador Agra down the right, João Pedro and Jaume Grau in the center, and Roberto Olabe on the left, and then a strike pairing of Rafael Barbosa and... Mario Gonzalez. George Zuz would also opt for the 4-4-2 in this one. Um, and it's it was understandable given that Lucas, uh, not Lucas, excuse me, given that Nicolas Otomendi uh, was not available due to suspension. A suspension, it was an intentional uh, accumulation of yellow cards. Clearing his yellow card slate for the rest of the season, hopefully. Also, also, uh, Ulian Weigel left out for the same reasons. He picked up a late yellow card in the last match. Wipes his slate clean and guarantees that we have him fit for, at least we have him not suspended. I shouldn't say fit, but we have him not suspended for Porto. And for he, he shouldn't accumulate enough cards be, in time to miss the Sporting match either. So uh, here is the lineup that... George Jesus sent out in goal. It's Elton Late. Uh, the right back is Gilberto. He's on in place of Diogo Gonçalves. Diogo Gonçalves on four yellow cards. So he was also saved 
well, we'll get to that. But he was also left out of the starting lineup in this one in an effort to save him for the Porto match and to not pick up that fifth yellow card that would suspend him for that match. The center-back pairing, of course, is Lucas Verissimo and Jan Vertonghen, and Grimaldo is going to play as the left-back. The double pivot in midfield, if you want to call it, that was Gabriel and Pizzi. Everton gets the start down the right, Rafa down the left, and up front, it is Luka Waldschmidt and Harris Seferovic, the leading goal scorer in the league at the moment. And Benfica start well, okay? And I want to say one thing before we even get into this match. I have to I have to declare a mea culpa here and um or mea culpa if uh if that's better Latin for you. But I have to admit when I am wrong and I have something to admit to everyone that I was wrong about. Um JJ was right in switching the goalkeepers. Uh, I hate to say it about Odie. I was such a I am such a fan of Odie's, but Elton Late is a is, is that was the right move. I mean, he was phenomenal in this match, and he's a he's a goalkeeper who. So, the the argument I made was that his ability to play with his feet or his ability to come out didn't justify, um, wasn't enough. I thought to 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 replace Odie, but I am seeing as he plays more minutes, and this is something that does happen with goalkeepers. He's a better and better shot stopper every match. And, um, yeah, it it is becoming quite clear that he's the better of the two goalkeepers. So I have to admit that I was wrong about that one and um, and go forward and tip my hat to Georges Zouge on that one. So uh, Elton Late was a key guy in this match, let me tell you. He, he uh, had himself a real good match. We start off. Uh, we start off in the eighth minute where Rafa wins a free kick, being fouled by Jean Grau, and then uh, in the eighth minute, off of that free kick, it ends up with a cross for Grimaldo, which finds, which finds the right foot of Harris Seferovic, which we know is not always his favorite, and um, Seferovic does what Seferovic does sometimes. And in these smaller stadiums, it's easy. He puts this thing out of the stadium as he, he skies the ball high in the eighth minute and squanders an opportunity to add to his goal tally and an opportunity to put Benfica in front a minute later. Pizzi with an opportunity blocked, right-footed shot from the outside of the box. Uh, he had been set up by Walschmidt. Uh, Everton, who who had himself a nice performance in this one, he gets uh, he gets a header from the left side of the box, but that was saved in the center of the goal in the ninth. All Benfica in the beginning and in the twelfth minute is where it happens, and it is none other than Peasy. That's right, Peasy takes Peasy. I I tweeted this out. It takes Peasy eleven minutes. It takes Peasy 11 minutes to do what the other one who plays that position takes five years. Score a damn goal. It was a nice play in all seriousness. Um, it was a good ball by, I want to say it was, now my memory's escaping me a little bit, but I want to say the original pass came from, from Vertonghen, who played it down the flank to Seferovic, who who then slid it across the across the face of goal? Actually, it was Everton. It was um, 
Seferovich is getting credited here with the with the assist on Fatma, but that's incorrect. It was Everton. Everton going down the, the left. He, he plays the ball across and Seferovich actually misses it when he tries to when he tries to put it on goal. He may have got a touch on it. That doesn't take the assist away from Everton. Um, as Seferovic is not passing the ball too peasy. And the ball goes all the way across the face of goal and from a very, very difficult angle a difficult angle, excuse me, um Peasy manages to twist his body and to position it just right to get that ball on its path to the far post. He beats Trigueta and it is 1-0 to Benfica early on. And there's just something about this Benfica team this year that is much better on the road than at home, which obviously makes me very nervous for the upcoming fixture. In the 14th minute, Benfica get another opportunity. It's a corner kick conceded by Bebetu. And it is taken by PC as the ball ends up eventually finding its way to the right foot of Luca Waldschmidt. And he fires from the side of the six-yard box, but he hits it too high. And danger averted for Tondela. But in the 18th, it would be the man of the day, if you will. It was Everton Subolinha. This time, it was the reverse of the first goal. It is PZ setting up Everton. And Everton on the dribble down the left, puts it on his preferred right foot, creates enough space, and then fires a bandera, as they call it, into the bottom right corner. 2-0 to Benfica, and it looks like we might have a rout on our hands as Everton has himself a very, very good half in this one, at the very least. This first half was, was very good from Benfica. Unfortunately, um... They look like a different team in the second half, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Gilberto with an opportunity in the 20th minute to make it 3-0. Unable to capitalize. And we saw, we saw. Uh, I think everyone can see the difference between Gilberto being the right back and Diogo Salves being the right back. And uh, like I said in the previous episode, that I think Diogo Salves is the revelation of this season as a right back. I think... Uh, he may have a whole new lease on his career and his future with Benfica and beyond. No doubt after JJ finally converted him, I'm sure he was working it for months and training it and getting him familiar. And it took game, it also took a lot of match time, a lot of experience to know when to step, when to pinch, when to take your space, when to knock the ball long and... Diogo Gonçalves is doing a good job with all of that. Each game getting a little bit better. And that'll take us through as we move now to the 42nd minute. And Benfica squander another opportunity to go ahead 3-0. And it wouldn't, it was not meant to be as it would be Rafa with the right-footed shot from the side of the box. And he misses just to the left. He was set up by Valschmidt. Um, Valschmidt called offside a minute later. And then at the end of the first half, it was a... It was a block for Lucas Verissimo after a, a mistake in the back in buildup. And it was Mario Gonzalez with a right-footed shot, but blocked by Verissimo. And the first half ends with Benfica ahead 2-0. We go to the second half, and it, it was like Benfica stayed in the locker room. It was like a different team came out in the second half. And all season, 30 rounds now, 30 matches this team just will not play a complete match. And this, quite frankly, scares me for this 
for the upcoming fixtures. Scares me for the Porto match. Scares me for the Sporting match. Scares me for the Cup final. Um, this Benfica team needs to figure out how to play a full match. They cannot turn it off just because they have a lead. And it was it was not a good second half for Benfica, as you can imagine by by uh, what I'm saying. And in the 55th, JJ goes to the bench with one of his patented multiple substitutions. It's it's a double this time. Chiquinho comes on, Waldschmidt comes off, Pedrinho comes on, and Rafa comes off. And Mario Gonzalez with another opportunity in the 57th minute for Tondela. He has a left-footed shot from the center of the box. Close, but he misses to the right. He was set up by Salvador Agra, a player who some years back when he was at Nacional really gave us a headache. And if I'm not mistaken, this is a player we signed. I'm going to double-check that right now. I'm pretty sure that Salvador Agra is a player that we signed at one time and then loaned out. Let me pull up his career here on this app. And yes, in July, <laughs> it's funny, on the FOTMOB app, when you pull up Salvador Agra's career, Benfica, July 2017 to July 2017, immediately goes out on loan after a good two seasons or three seasons at Nacional. That's where Benfica picked him up. 72 appearances for Nacional. Benfica loaned him immediately to Avj. And then that was in, in July of 2017. He would stay at Avj until January of 2018. Mefica would then loan him to Granada in, in La Liga, who I believe was in actually La Liga 2 in the, the second division at that time. And that would be a January to June uh, loan. The following season, he would get another six-month loan where he would go to Cadiz, who was definitely in the second division in Spain at that time. And then be released, um, be released that that December, and join Legia Warsaw in January of 2019, and then in August 2020, he joins Tondela on a free transfer. So that is the <laughs> that is the the resume, if you will, the CV for Salvador Agra, a former Por he was a Portugal Olympic team player. He wasn't in the full national team. But he was one of the three overage players selected uh, for Portugal's Olympic team in 2016. In the 58th, Everton wins a free kick being fouled by Bebeto, but it's another free kick that nothing comes of. In the 60th, it's another opportunity for, for Tondela, and it is again Mario Gonzalez, a right-footed shot from the right side of the box that was saved in the bottom left corner by Helton late. It was a good, good save. And he was set up um, by a headed pass by the other man we've been talking about um, as this match goes on, Salvador Agra. In the 67th, Benfica have a chance to add to their lead. And guess who misses again? It is just getting to be... It is literally feast or famine with this player. It is Harris Seferovic, the Swiss Army Knife, set up by PZ. But uh, his effort is saved by Trigueta in the bottom left corner. Benfica would concede a, a free kick after that as Chiquinho fouls, fouls Rafael Barbosa. And Chiquinho goes into the referee's book for a yellow card in the 68th. 
In the 69th, we get a substitution for Tondela. Uh, Arcanjo, repl- Arcanjo yeah, replaces Roberto Olave. And then in the 76th, another opportunity for Benfica. It is Pizzi, right-footed shot from outside of the box. And he is set up by Chiquinho, but his shot is just a hair too high. We keep moving forward towards the final moments of the match in the 80th. It's it's Salvador Agra again. A right-footed shot from outside the box, high and wide. Substitution for Tondela in the 83rd as they send on Enzo Martinez to replace Ricardo Alves. Uh, and Benfica will make a triple substitution of their own. Diogo, this is the, I'll, 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 I'll read off the other ones first. Sorry, it is not a triple substitution. It's a single substitution. And, no, double substitution, excuse me. Franco Cervi replaces Everton Sobolinha. Good substitution, makes sense. This one makes no sense. And I don't understand this thing about the outside backs not being able to play. It's one thing in a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3 that the outside wing backs tire. In a 4-4-2, there is no reason for the outside wing back to tire to the point where he can't just sit back and defend. Instead of, if he's too tired to fly up the pitch, don't go up. You're winning 2-0 with five minutes to go. No, instead, Gilberto needs to come off. And JJ has a senile moment here and sends on Diogo Salves with five with with seven minutes to play. Excuse me, uh, the player who's on four yellow cards who who was not started pri- uh, specifically to avoid a yellow card comes into the match and this is just playing with fire. I don't know if he lost his his juizu, his mind there for a moment or if he just couldn't think on the fly. If Gilberto has to come off. You put anyone else in at right back and you tell them, sit back and find the open man. Do not get caught out of position. Every footballer at this level should be able to adjust to seven minutes as an outside back. You look at the bench and he had all kinds of options here. Okay. He had he had Nun Tavares and João Ferreira on the bench who are both outside backs. Instead, he goes with Diogo Gonçalves. It, it is an absolute... I have no better no better adjective than a senile moment from Jorge Jesus. Fortunately, nothing comes of it. And Benfica see out the result. 2-0 victory. Three points to Azagish. And let's now take a look here at the goal point and see how the players rated for this match. As I have the goal point in front of me. And I'm changing my screen, and here we go. So we'll start with the home side, start with Tondela and their ratings. Pedro Trigueira in goal has a 6.3. Before that, the cumulative ratings. Uh, Tondela with a 5.61 team rating according to to goal point. Their expected goals, their XG was 1.0. As we said, Trigueira 6.3. Bebetu, the right back, was their top performer with a 7.0 rating. Johan Tavares. Has a 5.7. Alves has a 5.3. Philippe Ferreira a 6.2. Olave a 5.1. Barbosa a 4.9. Jaume a 6.3. João Pedro 4.5 for the former LA Galaxy player. Salvador Agra 5.4. And Mario Gonzalez 5.5. 
five. Uh, I thought perhaps these players, especially in the attacking end, deserve slightly higher ratings than this. But again, it's a finicky algorithm. So if you know, in those forty, thirty to forty minutes where Benfica was dominant, it's very possible that they are that their rating was lowered quite a bit. For Benfica, a 1.8 xG expected goals, a cumulative average of 6.18, 6.18 rating for Benfica, and f actually, goal point has PZ as the man of the match. Um, most of the people commenting on the match and watching the match has have Everton as the man of the match, but both of them had a goal and an assist, no less. Elton Late has a 7.3 in goal. Maybe his best match as a goalkeeper for Benfica. Uh, Gilberto, 5.3. Lucas Verissimo, 6.2. Vertonghen, 6.2. Grimaldo, 5.5. Again, disappointing from Grimaldo. Just um, not, not evolving in not getting better with time and uh just I'm just not happy with, with what he's given this team in the last season and a half. Um uh, Gabriel five point eight continuing to struggle. PC as we said is the man of the match here on this algorithm with an eight point seven. Rafa five point two uh Everton seven point eight Valchmith five point one and Seferovic four point nine and off the bench, Shikinu comes off the bench with a 5.5. And Pedrinho with a 5.4. Shikinu is a fantastic substitute for this team. And that's where his role should be if he's going to remain in this team. And and if he's able to embrace that and to handle that. I think he can be a very important part of this team going forward next season. But, but if he is a player where we have to depend on for starts, that means that the rest of the team is not at the level that they should be. That's just my opinion, okay? And Fop Mob show I'm excuse me. Goal point shows the heat map for PZ. It's all down the left side and he covers most of it. He he, he has himself a real nice uh match, I think. And it's good to see PZ have a good match. He is a very underappreciated player among Benfiquistas. Yes, he is. He he's not without fair criticism. And you know, a lot of people point to last season and the collapse. And I certainly was of that train of thought. However, I'm sorry, but when it comes to PZ or Tarapt, one guy gets production. One guy does fancy moves and. And miss hits a lot of passes, and yeah, one guy takes a lot of risks, but usually to a very low success rate. I'm sorry, it's just it, to me, it's a no-brainer. I know that's the unpopular decision with Benfica Nation. Please don't hold it against me. I think that I have lost some listeners over the past uh, several weeks or months due to my my views on Adelta Rapt, but I'm. PZ is a better player. There's no question. You you can you can come up with all the romantic. You, you, Tarapt has been romanticized by Benfica fans for all of these things he supposedly does. None of which lead to goals. None of the which lead to goals. And you win the match with goals. And if you're gonna play as an eight, you have to get goals and assists. PZ comes in here, and you can call him the Monku Master if you want. You can say he only scores against the Monkush, but. Tarap does not even do that. 
So there you have it. All right, let's go to the the stats. Shots, Tondela seven, Benfica thirteen. Shots on goal, six to three in in the favor of Benfica. Actions in the opposing team's area. Again, this is a statistic that Benfica leads the league in. Twenty-two to Benfica, ten to Tondela. Tell me how Benfica only has one penalty kick this season. It's impossible. It's mathematically impossible what is happening this season in in the category of penalty kicks. Corner kicks, Befica 6, Tondela 3. Befica with an 86% pass efficiency, 70% vertical pass efficiency. Tondela actually wins the battle with defensive actions in the opponent's midfield, 12-11. to 11. Tondela commits 12 fouls, Befica 4. Possession goes to Befica 59. 41. All right. Quickly, we'll go to the table. And as you know, it is Sporting top of the table after 30 rounds. Uh, they have 76 points. Porto, we, I talked and I, I uh, vented about their victory in the opening segment. They have 70 points in second place. We are third right now on 66. Four points behind Porto, 10 behind behind Sporting and well unfortunately by the time you hear this uh, it's very possible that assuming Sporting beat Hiwav on Wednesday Befica will be officially eliminated from contention to for the title once uh, once Sporting win on Wednesday if they win on Wednesday so it becomes a two horse race on Wednesday if Sporting win but Benfica need to win against Porto on Thursday and make the last two matches as uncomfortable as possible for the blue and white prison stripes in hope that they will slip up somewhere and allow us to go straight to the Champions League group stages it's it's a tall task but um, at the very least, I want a victory on Thursday badly. I want to win. I want to not just win, but I want to win in a certain manner that is convincing and emphatic. Fourth place is Braga right now. They're going to be headed to the. They're actually going to be headed to the Europa League, not the Europa Conference League, because Braga is our opponent in the Portuguese Cup. Final, so whether we win or they win, um, it'll either they will either go to the Europa League as the cup winner, or if we win the cup, then fourth place will become a Europa League spot. So Braga headed to the the Europa League again next year. They're fourth on 58 points. They're not going to be caught uh, by fifth place. Passos Ferreira, but Passos Ferreira is headed to the Europa Conference. I think it's very. Unlikely they slip up now. 30 rounds in, 48 points. That's 14 wins, 6 draws, and 10 defeats. They are 7 points better than Vitoria Guimarães, who are in 6th place. Vitoria Guimarães, uh, they are holding the final Europa Conference spot. So those look like to be the two teams that will head to the very first inaugural version of the Europa uh, Conference League, as they're calling it, the new third competition in European football. Seventh place, Santa Clara. They were there. They were fighting for it, but now four points back. Still four matches to play. Anything is possible. These teams um, these teams have been known to, to drop in form at the tail end of the season, so they're going to they're gonna push until the very end. They're in seventh with 37. Eighth, one point back is Moreres with 36. 
they're five points away from going to the conference league. Uh, Tondela ninth with 35, and then two teams below them with 34. It's Portimonense in 10th and Bolognese Sad in 11th. Maritimo 12th with 33. Gil Vicente 13th with 32. Very, very tight in this part of the table. And we could see a lot of movement here. Uh, 14th is Fumley Cone right now. And you know what? After last week, after that, uh, after they, they use Diog late, sorry, Diog Queiroz against Porto. And after the way they dropped points to them this year, I'll be happy to see Family Cone go back to the second division if that's their fate. They're too much of an ally to Porto, in my opinion. So good riddance. In 15th place right now, it's Hiwav, also on 31 points. And both of them are two points better than Boa Vista, who are 16th and sitting in the relegation playoff spot. They will, uh, they're will they in position to take on the third-place team from the second division, and we will talk about the second division perhaps in the next episode. I'll update everyone on the table in the second division. But right now, 17th place and going down if the season ends today on 27 points. It's Ferenc and bottom of the table, where is where we saw them two years ago the last time they were in the league. It's Nacional. They have 24 points. So they are currently five points from, a pl- from the playoff spot, and some seven points from any kind of safety four matches remaining as we said in Liga Nage 2020-2021 quickly the leading goal scorers it is Harris Seferovic atop of the leading goal scoring table just imagine if he could score a quarter of the ones he misses he would be running away with it and we would have six or seven more points than we have and maybe still be an outside contender for the title. Pot is second with 17 goals. The Spartan midfielder. Mario Gonzalez and Mehdi Taremi have 13 apiece. Sergio Oliveira has 12. He's fifth with all of his penalty kicks. And the much-talked-about Betu from Portimonense is sixth with 11 goals. I'll talk about that really quickly before we take a break. Uh, Betu... Uh, you guys have reached out to me, a few of you, as to what I think about it. I think it's a it's a classic overreaction by fans of a player who played well against us, and assuming that we should just go get him. This team has too many too many strikers right now, and none of them are producing. I think that with Rodrigo Pino coming in, he's still in the top ten in goal scoring as well, with nine goals. Although he's played a lot less since agreeing to terms with Benfica, with him coming in. With Gonzalo Ramos becoming a year older, with Darwin Nunez becoming a year older, and when with with Seferovic and whatever the situation is going to be with him, we have a lot of forwards. Carlos Vinicius is returning from loan. Uh, this is going to be the work that Rui Costa has to has to sort out this summer and figure out who's along with George Zouch, who's going to stay and who is going to go. All right, quick break, and then we'll talk about the women's team on the other side. Uh, thank you for hanging with me. I know it's it's we're going a little bit long here, but uh, hang with me just a little bit longer so we can talk about the women's team and um, get everybody from there. We're headed for the Classico, so uh, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Befica Mister on Instagram at Mister Befica, 
And don't forget to hit up www.mrbefica.com and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well so you can watch the live pregame show on Thursday before the match. I'll be right back. back to this final segment of Mr. Benfica episode 111 and now we're taking a trip to Funchal we're going to Madeira and we are gonna have some women's football to talk about here it is Liga BPI round number 12 in the championship phase as Benfica doing everything they can to keep pace with Sporting to make that final match of the season against Sporting at Alcochet. A championship match, no doubt. And in this one, it is Benfica taking on the Madeira side, who are very, very tough. They have played everyone tough, but they're yet to get any points against the top four. The top four right now are, of course, Sporting, Benfica, Braga, and and family count those are the four teams but Maritimo probably at least in terms of quality of play the next team they may not be there in the table but that's where they stand right now in terms of quality of play let's go to the lineups we're at the Complex Sportivo de Santo Antonio in Fonchal and this time the playmaker stats does not give us uh, the referee's name but the anyway this this information and these lineups are brought to you by www.playmakerstats.com that's where I get all of the statistics and all of the information for the women's team when I cover the women's team all right the starting lineup for or the starting 11 rather for Maritimo in goal is Bavara Santos and then you have Amanda Francisco Paula Fernandes Joana Silva Nueza Caldeira, Lara Costa, Tanya Mateus. Uh, you have the Puerto Rican international, Karina Socaras. Portugal's Nadia Freitas. Portugal international wearing the captain's armband, no less. The young Telma Encarnação. And can I be honest, I would love to see Benfica go after this player. I think that this is a player Benfica should go try to get to put in our team. Um... Of course, up front we are very we have 
Chloe, and we have Nicole when healthy. And, um, you know, when they're healthy, nobody else is going to get. But this Telma Encarnação, it has such a bright future. And she's already on the full national team. And, uh, well, if we don't go get her, I think our rivals just might. So I think Benfica should make a solid case for Telma Encarnação and try to bring her to Benfica's women's team. And lastly, for Maritimo, it is the Brazilian Marcelli starting. And this is not a player I cared very much for throughout the course of this match. Um, I found her to be uh, very theatric, very uh, cheap as well. She comes in a bit late. And she has quite a mouth on her. She talks quite a bit of trash throughout the match. Maritimo managed by Luis Gabriel. Benfica is 11. Lele is in goal, of course. The right back is Katarina Madu. The center back pairing on this day would be Ana Saisa and Carol Costa. The left back is Lucia Alves, who has really solidified herself in that role since returning from loan at Valadares Gaia. It looks like she has really made herself into the, the first choice for that position in midfield. Uh, the captain on the day is Pauleta, and she's surrounded by Beatriz Quemero and Andrea Faria with Chloe Lacasse and um, with Chloe Lacasse playing up front alongside Marta Sintra and Kika Nazareth, the topic of my blog post, which you should go read at www.mrbenfica.com, uh, playing in the traditional number 10 position. Kika Wearing a face mask in this in this one, she had had a a procedure done to her nose during the week. It sounds like it was a deviated septum or something along those lines. But she was allowed to play with the with the mask, and that's a good thing because she is one phenomenal player. And we look ahead. Befica get on the board. I have some notes here. All right, and Befica's players are honoring their mothers to start the match, and this was pretty cool. And I believe the Maritimo players were doing the same thing. Uh, they're wearing T-shirts with their mother's first names on their T-shirts across their front, as Sunday was Mother's Day in Portugal, and all of the players honoring their mothers. Nice, nice gesture. And we move to the sixth minute, and it's Kiko with a cross on a corner kick from the left. Corner flag. It finds Anasesa, who gets a foot on it off a half volley, and it clinks off of the crossbar. And Befica nearly go ahead, but in the 12th minute, here we go. It is a beautiful ball here, and Kika plays Katarina Amadu into space. This was one of those matches where Katarina Amadu was a legit machina down the right flank, a legit machine just going up and down the right flank. One of Again, the better matches for Katarina Amado. I uh, I remember her really sticking out to me in the middle of the season in a match at the Seychelles where I just saw her just absolutely dominate that right flank and just how far she's come from when she started playing there. And this was another match where it just was... That whole flank belonged to her. She would cross it on a half volley. So as Kika would would would... would drive the ball over the top onto her run. It would bounce once. Katarina would hit it out of the air in a half volley. Across the face of goal to Chloe at the back. Chloe Lacasse would would get her her head onto it. She would head it across goal 
and it would then find Marta Sintra's foot, and Marta would blast it on the way down, on the bounce down, and she would bury it into the empty goal, and nothing that Barbara Santos could do about it. It was 1-0 to Benfica in the 12th minute, and I'm not sure if I mentioned Chloe in the starting 11, which is hard to imagine because she is an automatic and um, a very, very heads-up play by Chloe here to rather than trying to force a header on goal from a difficult angle, decides to head it back across goal. It bounces once right onto the run of Marta Sintra, and the Brazilian makes it 1-0 to Benfica. Brilliant play throughout the first half for Benfica as the ball would move around the pitch and the players would overlap nicely. And like I said, uh, Caterina Mado down the right was just an absolute force. And um, it was just brilliant ball movement. Benfica playing their best football probably of the entire season right now. Uh, I know they played some real good football in that Champions League run. And... Um, Side note, Chelsea, the team that knocked Benfica out in the Champions League, has booked their place in the final of the Champions League. So we have a women's Champions League final. It's going to be Barcelona versus Chelsea. No Leon, no PSG, no French teams for the first time in a decade in the Champions League final. So that just shows the level at which Benfica have grown. They they. They did themselves proud against the Chelsea side that now are going to the Champions League final. Uh, more opportunities for Benfica throughout the first half. Uh, we'd get to the second half and the referee would point to the penalty spot in the 59th minute. Paulita converts the penalty in the 59th, scoring her first goal of the season, making it 2-0 to Benfica. And then a little bit of a drop-off after that as... Uh, in the 69th minute, it was Telma Encarnação who hits an absolute rocket of a shot. Uh, the ball came in. Marcelli knocks it back to her after the long ball was sent. Uh, right around the top of the penalty box, Marcelli with her back to back to Anasaisa. Out jumps the young center back and heads it back right off the bounce again. They're playing on an artificial surface in Madrid, so I should have... I should have stressed that at the beginning. Befica playing once again on an artificial surface. Uh, it looked like it was in very good condition, though. It looked very new. But the the ball would, would come off of Marcelli's head, and she would head it downward, and it would take a bounce, and it finds Telma. And Telma just, with her right foot, unloads an absolute bullet that was maybe, maybe... Uh, maybe 100 centimeters off of uh, of the ground. I don't know, maybe 50 centimeters. It was a tight space. It was hovering, and it finds its way into the far post. Nothing Lele could do. 2-1. to one. Um, Philippa Paton would, would make a change at that point in the 70th. Off comes, off comes Akika and Anasaisa. On comes Christy Uchebe and Silvia Rovello. And Befica stabilized a bit. And in the 86th, Ana Vitoria makes her return from injury. She replaces Andrea Faria. And Befica see out the result. And it's a 2-1 final whistle. 
in a match that was probably a little bit tougher than it needed to be, unfortunately, due to that one lapse in, in concentration that allowed Telma to score. But let me tell you, I would love to see that player in a Benfica kit next season or the one after. I really think Benfica should have their eye on Telma and Cardenasão. And um, just imagine that, three, that trio up front, Telma, Chloe, and Nicole with with Kika in behind them, feeding them balls. It would just be, it would be a force. It would be a force. Any two of those three, or if they want to play with a 4-3-3 next season, you know, it, it would be an absolute force. So, um, again, a good performance. I'll pull up some of the statistics here. Let's see if we have stats. I'm going to double check here if we have even have stats here. So... Nope, Playmakers does not have any stats for this match, unfortunately. And, um, well, we'll just move to the table then as I pull it up. And actually, we do have some, we have individual stats. We have, they're called performance statistics here. So let's look at Benfica's performance statistics. And again, goals from Marta Sintra and Pauleta. Assist for Chloe Lacasse. Uh, we talked about the yellow cards and it talked about a penalty. So it doesn't give you much in the way of uh, of statistics. But let's move on and let's go to the table quickly before we say goodbye for this week. Or for this episode rather. And I'm going to keep backing up my screen here until I get to the whole. Here's the homepage. And Benfica now temporarily in first place because they have a match in because Sporting have a match in hand excuse me Befica on 33 points lead the league and Sporting are two back with 31 but Sporting have played 11 matches in this in this phase Befica have played 12 Befica 11 victories one loss that loss of course came to Sporting Befica 37 goals scored 7 allowed while Sporting 27 goals scored 2 allowed it it could very much be a very, very good last match of the season when Befica travels to Alcuchet. But before that, Sporting will play this Wednesday against this very same Maritimo team in Madeira. And um, I would love to see, I would love to see, obviously, Maritimo get a result against Sporting and allow Benfica to stay first going into the final two matches of the season. But... I'm not really counting on it, but Sporting certainly have the more difficult of the schedule going forward. We'll we'll look at the two teams' fixture list uh, in just a moment. Third place right now belongs to Fumalico, and our former manager, João Marques, no longer the manager at Fumalico. He has stepped down in order to assume the role of manager of Sporting Braga next season. So there's a little bit of coaching carousel going on here in Liga BPI. But for this season, it is Fumley Cone in third with 22 points. Braga fourth with 21. And then you got Albergaria in fifth with 15 points. Tuchies on a little bit of a roll themselves. They just beat Fumley Cone this weekend in a big in a big upset. They move from, from seventh to sixth. They have seven points. Maritimo are seventh with six points, like we said. Um, in terms of play, they I think they're the fifth best team. They they place they have played good football and they have played teams tough. And just to give you an example of how tough Maritimo have played teams, they 
right now with six points. They have four, 14 goals scored, 21 allowed for a goal difference of minus seven. While the teams above them, the teams directly above them, Torreyes with seven points has 12 goals scored, 46 goals allowed for negative 34. They have the worst goal difference in the entire league. Uh, and above them, Alvarez has a negative 16 goal difference. And of course, in eighth place, it is Kundesha with one lone point right now. But even they have a better goal difference than Tuchayens. All right, so the top goal scorer is the Golden Boot race right now. And I'm not sure when they award the Golden Boot if they're going to combine the two phases. But in this championship phase, it's Vitoria Almeida of Famalicão. With 10 goals. And then Telma Encarnação has 9. And Braga's American Hanakin has 8. And let's take a look then at what's coming up in match in round 13. Rather, as we said, first we have a makeup game for Sporting versus Maritimo on the 5th here. The league is going to stop for a couple weeks for some unexplainable reason. But match day 13 or round 13 is scheduled for the 16th of May. So here are the fixtures for the 16th of May. Benfica hosting last place Condesha. They should be able to see that result out and head to Alkshit with the maximum points. Torreense will host Maritimo. Albergaria will host Famalicão. And then the big one in round 13 at the Primeiro de Maio. Braga hosting Sporting. Braga are the defending champions still. Do remember that. Last year, we did not crown a champion officially. Yes, our team assumed the role and went to the Champions League, but there was no official champion. Braga are still the official champions. They host Sporting. And man, would that not be the perfect place for Sporting to slip up and to allow us to go into that final game in first place. We'll have to wait and see. Um, obviously, I will keep everyone posted on that going forward all right that's gonna do it for episode 111 one more time remember go to go right now to to youtube and subscribe to the mr benfica youtube channel so you do not miss out on thursday pre-game show live in video only exclusively on on the mr benfica youtube channel and on on the at Benfica Mr. Twitter page, okay, on the Twitter feed. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be broadcasting it on both or streaming it on both platforms. All right, there it will not be converted into an audio episode of a podcast. All right, I um, it's gonna be a special treat for everyone subscribed to the video platforms. Okay, so I'm thinking about 35 to 40 minutes before kickoff, which is scheduled for 1:30. P.M. my time here on the East Coast of the United States, 6.30 p.m. Lisbon time. All right, where, wherever you're listening from, all right, sync up your clock and meet me on <laughs> on the pregame show on Thursday. Carrega Benfica. Forza Benfica. Let's do this, Benfica. And to all the athletes in the modalidad still going in the playoffs, vamos, carrega. Let's do this. Let's bring some trophies home. And, of course, to my girls on the women's football team, you got this, ladies. It is in your hands. Two matches, two wins. It's that simple. You will be champions. Vamos, Benfica. We are Benfica. We do this pelo Benfica. I'll see you next time here on Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Augustinho signing off. 